0: Several weeks ago we began a series called Discovering Real Joy. In the first week we defined biblical joy and discussed the background of what is often called the joy book of the Bible, the book of Philippians. We found out the historical context of the book and, and of its human author, the apostle Paul, is actually one of suffering and sacrifice. Yet even it, with a backdrop as grim <clears throat> as the dungeon from whence this book came, uh, the obvious theme is joy. Within the book of Philippians, we find at least four clear secrets to discovering real joy in our lives. A few weeks ago, we discussed the first of those secrets, which is fellowship. The first secret to discovering joy rests in the community a believer can enjoy within his or her church family. When you make consistent investments into that fellowship, the family of God, you will eventually earn a joyful return. Last week we discussed the second secret of biblical joy, which is anybody remember? Focus. If you had focused a little more, you could have remembered, right? Focus. When when you and I focus on on the work God had for us has for us to do together. Uh, When we focus on the future rather than the past or even present circumstances, and when we focus on the good rather than dwelling on the bad, we can discover the joy that God has placed within us. If you were here, you know that these are not just ideas I came up with in my head, but rather they are God's truth coming straight out of this book from the Bible called Philippians. Today, we'll talk about the third secret to discovering God's kind of joy in our lives. Found in the book of Philippians and that third secret is this. Drum roll, just kidding. Sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> the third secret is sacrifice. Now the obvious question is how could sacrifice possibly be one of the keys to a joy-filled life? Is there anything joyful about sacrifice by itself? The answer is no. Sacrifice itself is not joyful. Sacrifice is painful by definition. Sacrifice hurts. <clears throat> the sacrifice is to give something up that you don't want to give up. Letting go of something that you would rather keep in your hands is not a joyful moment, whether you're two or 92. When you choose to give up something that you'd rather keep, whether that's a thing Uh, or time, money, energy, dreams, ambitions, power, a daughter, or whatever else you'd rather not give up, that's sacrifice. Some of you probably don't know my my daughter. I sent her to Mexico. She's a missionary. I had to give her up. We get to talk on the phone every now and then. (laughs) Whatever it is that God has asked you to give up, That's sacrifice, and sacrifice is is not naturally associated with joy. So how is sacrifice a secret to discovering joy? Well, the joy comes in knowing what that sacrifice can do. The joy of sacrifice is in the knowledge of what is being earned, both for yourself and for others. I would assert that there is no sacrifice you can make for God that will not ultimately earn something better, something more enduring, something deeper and more meaningful, often for someone else, but always for you. Wait, every single time I make a godly sacrifice, I earn something for myself? I absolutely believe that to be the case. Every time. The perfect example is the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which first and foremost earned salvation for us. But listen, it also earned something for him, did it not? We can find the answer to that question in Philippians chapter 2, verse nine, which says, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For this reason God highly exalted Jesus. For what reason? If you were to rewind in the text you would see clearly that it is because he humbled himself and died on the cross for our sin. That's what the verses before this are all about. His sacrifice resulted Not only in our salvation, but also for himself, the eternal reward of even more honor than before. Because of his sacrifice, Jesus Christ has now been given the name that is above every other name. Songs like Worthy is the Lamb who was slain will be sung about him forever because of the sacrifice that he made. I believe that sacrifice is the greatest earning tool in the universe. Sometimes people don't want to consider the earning power of sacrifice as if it somehow cheapens the sacrifice, but I think that's silly. The Bible tells us about the earning power of sacrifice for a reason. One of the things earned by sacrifice is renown or legacy or at least respect. And listen, those are not bad things to strive for through sacrifice. There's a fine line, of course. You know, we don't want to be driven primarily by selfish motivations. However, the Bible affirms men and women who who want to leave a memorable legacy of service to God. There's no question that is affirmed throughout the stories of difference-making men and women in Scripture. Some have been saying It's made it into some songs that absolutely nothing matters in our lives except God's glory. That might sound good, but I do not believe that is actually what the Bible exemplifies or teaches. Spare me the fatalism that says we are grasshoppers who can't do anything that really matters. Or that God doesn't care about anything except his own glory. That line of thinking is more like panentheism than biblical theism. You can Google that later if you want. It's not biblical. I'm sick of it. In fact, I believe that when God's people are honored in a godly way, that in itself brings glory to God. Wanting to live a legacy is a good thing, young people. I'm here to tell you that you matter and you can make a difference in this world. I'm telling you that following Jesus does not go unrewarded. God is so giving, so loving and so giving that he is even willing to share his glory with you. He's not like Sauron from the Lord of the Rings. He does not share power. Well, that's Sauron, not God. God is so giving that he's willing to share his glory with you. I'll come back to that later. But I will tell you this right now. If you do want to make a difference and be someone who really matters on this earth, following Jesus in such a way as to earn eternal rewards and even honor in heaven, you will not do so without great sacrifice. Theodore Roosevelt said, there has never yet been a man, we might add a woman, in our history who led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. No in fact you'll find that those who sacrifice the most are generally the most memorable and Jesus is at the top of that list. We've all heard the phrase, no pain, no gain. But it's not the pain that brings a glimmer of joy into our eyes, is it? No, it is the promise of what the pain or the sacrifice will achieve that brings joy. It is looking ahead to what will be earned that unlocks the joy of sacrifice. Let me give you two examples from my own life. One of success and one that is more like a confession. My example of success through sacrifice is this. Over the last three months, I have lost 15 pounds. Thank you. It's better than putting it on Facebook, right? Yes, I've lost 15 pounds. Let me tell you something. That physical change is giving me some joy right now. It really is. I, (laughs) I feel joyful in an area where before I was feeling defeated So how did I get this joy? Through sacrifice. Some of you know that when you get into your 40s, or later, it is incredibly hard to lose weight. Metabolism changes, stuff changes, lots of things change. What are you laughing at, you don't even know. (laughs) Yes, I have worked my rear end off for this. Maybe literally. I'm not really sure where all the 15 pounds came from. But, but the point is that, that sacrifice, this sacrifice brought me joy. Now let me tell you about an area where I need to return to sacrifice in order to find joy. That being the area of personal indebtedness. I'd like to give some excuses but I won't. Bottom line is there have been times when Christy and I were basically out of debt, debt free and we were feeling such joy about that. But lately we've put on a few extra pounds of debt again, and that is robbing us of some joy. What is it going to take to get back to where we feel that joyful, debt-free feeling? Sacrifice. Dave Ramsey puts it this way, live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. There are several different layers of meaning in that phrase, but the most important idea is that if you will sacrifice in the extreme for a relatively short time, then later you can live with the freedom of margin in your finances. By far, most people aren't willing to sacrifice long enough to move from that debt cycle uh, to a cycle of wealth and freedom. It takes short-term sacrifice to create long-term blessing. Christy and I need to get serious about hitting this area hard once again. At least I know from experience that it will be worth it. The idea that I'm illustrating is that sacrifice earns joy. And I think we could even say uncommon sacrifice is earned, I'm sorry, uncommon joy is earned by uncommon sacrifice. Uncommon joy is earned by uncommon sacrifice. In fact, that is the main idea of this message. And as I will show you, it is a biblical principle. When you stick with something that requires sacrifice in order to earn a return that won't come until later, there is a joy that develops in your heart, even right in the middle of the sacrifice. As Jesus put it, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. To sacrifice is to give up your life or parts of your life, things in your life. To sacrifice is to surrender. True life is found not, on, not in living for yourself and for the now, but in sacrificing yourself to live for Christ and for the eternal rewards that He promised. This true life that Jesus says is found when you sacrifice is a life of joy. Again, I say, uncommon joy is earned through uncommon sacrifice. Paul whose Christian journey seems to have been one uncommon sacrifice after another. Put it this way from Second Corinthians 4 verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. Momentary affliction, he says, produces eternal glory. I said earlier that God is so giving that he shares his glory with us. I bet some of you did a double take when I said that, but here it is in scripture. What does Paul say here? He says our sacrifice is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So again I say the Bible does not call us to care nothing about the future rewards we will receive as we follow Jesus now as if only the glory of God mattered or as if we were to eventually be absorbed or eclipsed by Him because of our own insignificance, panentheism. He says these light afflictions or sacrifices are producing something for us. To produce is to earn. Uncommon joy is earned by uncommon sacrifice. Paul's sacrifices were uncommon. The shipwrecks and the beatings and the dungeons and all the rest and if we look, we will find that he could have avoided every bit of it had he not been so zealous for Christ. Understand that Paul could have stayed away from most of his troubles. He chose these troubles when he chose to follow Jesus in a hostile world. There's a a word for that kind of, of choice. It's called sacrifice. Paul made the choice to sacrifice and he did so with joy because he had the maturity to understand what was being earned. Paul knew that these sacrifices were achieving an eternal weight of glory for him, for others, and yes, ultimately, for God. That's the thing about sacrifice. It generally earns more than what it costs. And what, and what your sacrifice for Jesus produces always has a ripple effect to other people as well. Your friends, your family, your church. Listen to what Jesus said to one of the churches of the first century. He said, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer for 10 days, but be faithful even if you have to die and i will give you the crown of life i believe this was both instructive to a real church at that time while also being prophetic for us today here it is again sacrifice now receive a great reward later but the neatest part of this principle is that the joy itself does not wait for the reward There can be joy right now in the middle of the sacrifice. There is joy even during the pain. If you truly believe that your sacrifice is achieving even better things to come, if you hold that in your heart you can have joy even when things are hard, even when you're sacrificing. Dr. David Livingston was a 19th century medical missionary to Africa, one of the greatest, most impactful missionaries to ever go forth in the name of Christ. He was a fearless adventurer who discovered and named Victoria Falls, among other many things, many other things. He was a, his was a life of sacrifice of almost mythic proportions. Can't tell you his story. He's a great guy to read about. He was so keen to this understanding of joy through sacrifice that he didn't even like to use the word sacrifice. Here's what he said. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice which is simply paid back as a small part of the great debt owing to our God which we can never repay? Is that a sacrifice which brings its own reward of healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with such a word, such a view, and such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Wait a minute, Livingston, he was British, wasn't he? Wasn't he British, anybody? I'm pretty sure he he was. Okay, I just wanted to say, rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then, with the foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing. When compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in and for us, I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which He made, who left His Father's throne on high to give Himself for us." Dr. Livingston appears to call for a ban on the word sacrifice. But of course, he knew that the Bible uses such a word repeatedly and calls us to it. His point is not about word choice, but about a deeper understanding of sacrifice gained through experience. This incredible missionary knew more than most that the joy earned through sacrifice eclipses the sacrifice itself. Uncommon joy is earned through uncommon sacrifice. But the realist in the room may still be struggling to understand how sacrifice can be one of the secrets to discovering joy. The answer boils down to approaching life constantly cognizant of what is being earned. Did you hear that? Joy is discovered when you are constantly aware of what is being earned, especially through sacrifice. Do you live your life with a continual awareness of what you are earning? I'm here to tell you that while salvation cannot be earned, only received, many other things, such as heavenly reward, absolutely can be earned. And this is how we wind up with fulfillment and joy in this life. I would suggest that the greatest heroes of our faith throughout history lived a life in this way, intentionally earning future reward through current sacrifice. This touches upon one of the foundational principles that God has put into the core of human beings. That is the principle of work, which, by the way, was created before sin, before the curse, not after. God gave Adam work to do in paradise, in day one. Work is a good thing. Work is a purposeful thing. Work should be a joyful thing. Generally, those who work hard have a joy that lazy people cannot find. That is because there is something deep inside of us that finds joy in sacrificing or working hard now to earn something that will come later. Why does the gardener labor to prepare the soil and to plant seeds into the ground? He does it in great expectation of the harvest. But more than that, I can tell you from experience that there is even a joy in the sacrifice and the work itself. The joy comes long before the harvest. Why? Because faith in the coming harvest infuses joy right into the work and the sacrifice itself. This is God's design. By the way, this is also the reason it dehumanizes and ruins people to give them money for not working. This is the reason socialism destroys a society. Joy and purpose and fulfillment come through work, which really is sacrificing now in order to earn something later. This is also the reason it's so much more enjoyable to save and then buy, rather than to buy now and pay later. Listen, when you buy now and pay later, you put the sacrifice on the wrong end of the reward. Either way, you'll need to sacrifice to pay the price. But if you save now and buy later, the sacrifice itself is coupled with the joy of looking forward to the reward that you don't have yet. Whereas when you put the pain after the reward, there's nothing to look forward to through the pain because you already have that thing without having earned it. Let's try another analogy. What if somehow someone could promise you magically that they could instantly give you a perfect body. Okay, this is harder to imagine for some of you than others, I understand that, that's just. But let's just say it were possible that you could be given a perfectly cut, as they say, muscular body, you know, six pack and all that. Uh, You know, the Hollywood body, which of course is way skewed and that's another topic. Now, now, Now there's just one catch to this deal You get this body instantly, but the catch is that you will be required to exercise the same amount that you would have had to exercise to get that body. Now even if you, excuse me, somehow had the power, the willpower to follow through, would there be any joy in those workouts whatsoever? No, because they wouldn't be earning anything. A sacrifice of the workouts would be achieving nothing at all you've already got the reward the sacrifice changes nothing it gains you nothing it's all pain no gain. Sometimes we think we want it all now but the truth is that there is a joy in the journey and God knows that in fact if there were no journey what would be the point of living? Choosing to sacrifice now to receive a benefit later is one of the secrets to real joy in life. Now, let's dig a little deeper by looking at Scripture taken from the joy book of the Bible, because remember I didn't come up with these secrets to discovering real joy. They they come straight out of Scripture from the book of Philippians, where we can learn this principle from the example of Christ, the example of Paul, and the example of the Philippian church. We'll take them in order that they appear in the book. So first, the example of Christ. From chapter 2, Paul sets up the passage in verse 2 by saying, make my joy complete. And then in verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Listen to all the sacrifice in here. That's a sacrificial act. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is the ultimate example of sacrifice. It is difficult to comprehend the sacrifice that was made on our behalf when Jesus himself was nailed to the cross. It's not as if a really good person chose to die in our place, that would be sacrifice, but this was the perfect son of God, the creator of the universe in a human body. So first he had to empty himself in such a way as to take on the form of a human. Why did he need to do that? Because God doesn't bleed. God is spirit, the Bible says, and he dwells in unapproachable life. If, like if he had not emptied himself and taken on the form of a servant, a human, he could not have shed the blood that was needed to pay the penalty for our sin. Next, Paul tells us after lowering himself to humanity, even though he was still God, he actually went through with the plan, not only to the point of death, but even to the point of death on a cross. Can you imagine the humiliation of being stripped naked, Uh, actually having your body stretched out and spiked to a piece of wood before being hoisted up into the air as a spectacle. This was God in human form. Plastered to a cross by men He breathed into existence. It was the greatest sacrifice that has ever been made or that ever could be made. I doubt any of us in this room question the greatness of His sacrifice, but the question is this, did the sacrifice of the cross unlock joy in the life of Jesus? We know it earned glory for Him, and for us it earned everlasting life, eternal peace with God. But Was there actually joy within the sacrifice for Jesus? In other words, does this principle I've been sharing with you today hold true even in the case of the most sacrificial act ever? Here again, we need to first embrace an accurate definition of joy. Joy is not the absence of pain or suffering. Joy is not dependent upon happy circumstances. Joy is not a bubbly personality or the ability to constantly wear a smile. Christ agonized on the cross. He cried out in pain. It was horribly torturous. I doubt anyone would say he was in a good mood. But is it possible that he still had joy? We don't have to guess. The Bible says fixing our eyes on jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of god the bible says it was for the sake of the joy in front of him that jesus endured the cross the greek preposition here translated as "for," sets his joy in contrast to his pain and therefore is understand understood to balance out the pain, to overwhelm and overcome and make it worth it. It could easily be translated as because. That is the idea here in the context that Jesus was able to endure his painful sacrifice because of his joy in what was being earned. Uncommon joy is earned by uncommon sacrifice. The Bible also says, and since we are his children, we will share his treasures for everything God gives to his son, Christ is ours too. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. It's really quite an astounding statement, isn't it? Again, we can share his glory. Really? But only when we share in his suffering. So to learn from Jesus' example and discover his kind of joy, we should ask ourselves a question. How can I sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed? Think about this for a minute. You might even want to write something down to remind yourself of whatever comes to mind. Jesus put others first. He loved the unlovable. He never even owned a home. He spoke the truth. He acted in love always. He was obedient to God even when the cost was his life. Jesus found people who he could disciple, people he could teach. He poured his life into others. He made time for these things. He refused to seek the approval of important people, but showed God's way to sinners at the expense of his reputation. He said his primary concern was doing the will of God on this earth, and it didn't matter what it cost. How can I sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed? Would you maybe think about that? Maybe you even write something down in your listening guide as God brings something to mind. Uncommon joy is earned through uncommon sacrifice. How can I sacrifice like Jesus sacrificed? Next, in the book of Philippians, we learn about sacrifice from the example of Paul. Here it is, right out of the Joy Book of the Bible, chapter 2, Verse 17, Paul writes, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. By the way, the drink offering was always the final act of worship in the sacrificial um, service that the Jews that knew this, knew about this, the Old Testament times, that they knew what that meant. Pouring out a drink as a sacrifice to the Lord was the end of the ceremony. So Paul is talking here about his own death as a final sacrifice and he says, even if this is it for me, remember he's in a Roman dungeon at the time. Even if this is it for me, I joyfully rejoice and I want you to joyfully rejoice with me. Why, because uncommon joy is earned by uncommon sacrifice. Here Paul is in a Roman prison, not sure whether he'll be sentenced to death or not, but he tells them if that happens, he will have joy, and they should have joy as well. Now that's radical. We can also see what the apostle believes about the relationship between sacrifice and joy in chapter 3, verse 7, where it says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. For more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may by the way that's a great little verse to read about how you're saved faith in Christ means God makes you righteous he takes care of your sin if you put your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross that I may know Him, that's what happens when you come to Christ, you get to have a relationship with Him afterwards. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, eternal life. Here we see the sacrifice in what is lost for Christ. And we hear about the joy found through that loss within the phrase, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, there's a fellowship in that. We understand the reward and the gain that is earned by the sacrifice of that passage. You could go through and go, here's the sacrifice, here's the joy, here's what's cost, here's what's earned. Loss and gain are contrasted in this passage. The loss leads to both knowing Jesus better, verse eight, and also to experiencing the sweet fellowship of his sufferings, verse 10. Those phrases point to joy, the kind of joy that comes through sacrifice, the same kind of joy that helped Jesus endure the cross. Jim Elliot was a missionary like Paul, but he was killed in Ecuador by the very natives with him with whom he sought to share uh, the love and message of Christ. Later, the entire tribe was brought to faith through the work of the wife. Jim left behind Elizabeth along with some others. You can see that amazing story in a great movie called The End of the Spear. But almost as if he knew what was coming, Jim Elliot summed up Paul's teachings about sacrifice with these fateful words, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. it's like my, my daughter's favorite quote in the world she's always saying it <clears throat> we know the apostle Paul would have agreed wholeheartedly Paul who wrote the joy book of the Bible from a Roman dungeon with literal chains on his arms Paul whose life from a worldly perspective just got worse and worse after he became a Christian Paul who we know had some kind of painful chronic health problem which God willfully chose not to take away in spite of his prayers. Paul, who was eventually martyred for his faith. By by the way, does this sound like the modern Christianity that's getting put out uh, by some? No, this is biblical Christianity. Yet through all of that, Paul maintained an uncommon joy. So one question for those wanting to discover biblical joy might be this. How can I sacrifice like Paul sacrificed? Think about it. Maybe write something down. It's deeper than shipwrecks and beatings and jail time and martyrdom. Those were not the sacrifices that Paul made. He didn't choose those things. Those things came because he chose to follow Jesus. He was always putting the mission first. He was always seeking to serve God everywhere he went, even when it meant people wouldn't like him as much. How can I sacrifice like Paul? Sacrificed. You may want to write something down. Lastly, let's look very briefly at the example of the Philippian church. From chapter 4, starting at verse 14, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me, church, in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, No church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increased to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance, I am amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now it is not my goal to make this all about money, but it would almost be deceptive if I did not point out that this passage and others in Philippians are simply referring to financial gifts given through the church. In fact, sacrificial generosity of the church at Philippi is mentioned more than once in Scripture. They were known for it. And so when we think about ways we can sacrifice for God today, we should not leave out financial sacrifice. In another passage about financial giving, Paul writes, each one must do just as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver, which could just as easily and completely just as accurately be translated a joyful giver by the way. So does this mean there's no call to sacrificial uh, giving? Not at all. To some degree all giving is sacrificial. Rather this is as we have been discussing that there is a cheerfulness or a joyfulness even in the sacrifice because we know our sacrifice is achieving, producing, earning a reward that is disproportionately greater than the sacrifice itself. Uncommon joy is earned through uncommon sacrifice. I'm not launching a stewardship campaign or building a building campaign today. However, we have in fact begun to save for land and a building. We were compelled to start a building fund because one of our members recently, out of the blue, felt led by God to provide the initial donation in the amount of $40,000. Do you think that person could not have done something else with that money? Do you think they did not make a sacrifice in giving that money? I mean that's like a Shelby GT 500 people. It's a sacrifice. Of course it's a sacrifice. And I happen to know this person was very joyful in doing so. What a great start. Your tithe on income is one thing. If you're committed part of this church, if you're followed Jesus, a tithe is a matter of obedience. But I'll just throw it out there that if anyone ever feels led to make an over and above sacrificial offering toward our future building fund, you can just go right ahead. We got a good start. You know, make sure to designate it clearly. We'll keep adding to that forty thousand dollar startup until we can get serious about moving forward. I fully believe that space and a building are in God's plan for for Go Church Ridgefield, and possibly sooner rather than later. Back to the Philippian church. This church was known for their financial sacrifice. That's true. There is little doubt that they were the major contributor to Paul's church planting efforts. In other words, this church provided the financial backing for the move of God that multiplied churches throughout the known world at the time. This church was the church that backed that financially that's what they became known for I feel sure that just as Paul had hoped their financial sacrifice brought them great joy. And now I'll go out on a limb. I believe this right here will be part of the legacy of Go Church Ridgefield. We are doing well financially. Um, I absolutely believe God is behind that and it pretends great things for our future. God's vision of multiplication. One of our core values for the churches we will plant, particularly in the PNW, requires funding. That funding is already coming in, largely through your sacrificial giving. I believe we're to be like the Church of Philippi for this region, a church not only concerned with its own finances, but who helps to finance kingdom work outside itself. Looking forward to this brings me great joy. Let me add that the church at Philippi may also have been the healthiest of Paul's churches. There's a link between spiritual health and financial generosity. I believe that with all my heart. I've seen it too many times. And it's very easy to see that link in Scripture as well. If we become a generous church, God will bless us generously. It is already happening. There's no doubt about it. So to close this off, we'll ask the same question we've been asking for each of these points. How can I sacrifice like the Philippian church sacrificed? Maybe write something down. I'll say once more, uncommon joy is earned by uncommon sacrifice. Whatever sacrifice we're called to make, it'll never equal the sacrifice that God made for us. As the Apostle John put it, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God could have just let things run their course until we had destroyed ourselves but instead he chose to make the greatest sacrifice that could ever be imagined. This sacrifice brought God joy. That's how Jesus endured the cross. He earned salvation for me, maybe for you, if you will receive it by faith. See, Jesus already made the sacrifice for your salvation. You don't have to sacrifice for that to be saved, to have eternal life peace with God, heaven. You don't have to sacrifice for that. Is there sacrifice required from you in following Jesus? Absolutely. And you should know that before you sign up. There's sacrifice in following. Who knows? Maybe all of us will wind up martyrs before it's all said and done the way things are going. I don't know. There's sacrifice in following Jesus. But listen, there is no sacrifice being asked of you in order to receive salvation. He already did the hardest part when he died on the cross. And step one to following him is putting your trust in what he did, simply receiving the gift of salvation by faith and believing that he will help you with the part where it all gets worked out in in your life, and the changes that he will make, and the things that he will show you. He will complete the work he starts. You don't have to do anything to be saved. He already did it. You just have to believe it enough to receive it. Kind of the same way that a person who believes a parachute will save his life puts it on and jumps out of the plane before it crashes. It's got to be that kind of faith. You've got to really believe that, that, that his death on the cross earned your salvation. And you've got to put your trust and your faith in that, in your heart. A lot of us did that by praying, telling God, yes. There has to come a moment in your life where you throw in the towel. You might Sometimes we call it repentance. It's really repentance from unbelief. It's repentance from my own way. It's repentance from, I think I'm pretty good, I'm okay. It's repentance from a lot of things. We never know what all we're repenting of, but it's turning away from self and turning to Jesus and saying, I need you. I need what you did on the cross. I need to be saved and, and, and committing that to him. That's the kind of faith that saves. And so there may be someone here today that's ready to do that. If you would, let's all bow our heads and pray. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass anybody this morning. Um, so don't worry. But if, if today's the day that you're ready to say yes to God and you want today to be the day of salvation for you, the Bible is clear. that God already did the hard part. There's not a 12-step program. There's not a whole bunch of stuff you've got to get straight. As I said, He will work on your life afterwards, but all you have to do today to begin your walk with Him, to be changed on the inside, to be made into a new creature, all of the stuff that God's going to do in your life, it starts with a step of faith. For me, I was six years old when I became aware of sin and that I was not okay with God. And I felt like God was mad at me there was, a feeling of, 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 there was a feeling of conviction. There was a knowledge I, I was not okay with God. For me, it was when I was six. And people guided me and helped me know to receive Jesus. You can tell them right now, yes, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I've, I've sinned. I've, I've, I've messed up. I am messed up. We all are. You can tell them right now and say, I need Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus, the one who died and rose again. I put my trust in Jesus Christ today to save me. I need to be saved. Change me. Show me the way. I surrender. Lord, I thank you for the many lives in this room who could stand up and give a testimony today and talk about the day they prayed that prayer, the day that they they had that moment when they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ not a one of us is perfect now but we know that we're forgiven and I pray that maybe even today someone would mark this date would mark it on their communication card or come talk to me either way but just not to leave it that would take some steps move forward Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you came to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to Go Church's weekly sermon podcast. If you enjoyed the sermon, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to learn more about the ministry of Go Church or catch up on previous sermons, check out our website, www.gochurchpnw.com. You can also connect with Go Church on Facebook and Instagram.